0: everyone, welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric, And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. Today's episode is brought to you by ourselves. If you need freelance vendor agnostic consigliere advisement, you can reach Corey at techvoyant.com. That's T-E-K-V-O-Y-A-N-T tcom And you can reach me at theduke.digital, where I provide the same conciliary services, as well as staffing and digital marketing and sales enablement services for small and medium sized partners. Okay.
1: What are we talking about today, Corey? All right, Duke. uh, Today we're talking about terminations and offboarding is probably the more politically correct name for Mm. that, but trying to make it appear nicer than it is. But it's what do you do when people get fired? Yeah fired, let
0: go, goodbye.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, there's a whole lot of industry slang for this stuff to try to make it seem like it's a nice pat on the back and a going away present. But really what we're talking about is the separation from the company. Mm-hmm.
0: Even now, we're, our lives get so intertwined with the company. Yeah. You know what I mean? This has to have good workflow behind it.
1: Well, let's be real, right? Duke, I mean, I met you because of a work thing that I was doing, right? Exploring ServiceNow and trying to decide whether or not it was the platform for us you know, was a work initiative. And that's where I met you. And now this is one of the most enduring friendships that I have. So like, it's really hard sometimes to separate like your personal identity from your professional.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did we talk about like, because early on in my ServiceNow career, the big dragon that I slew straight out the bat was an onboarding and offboarding uh, workflow in service now this is like pre HR pre everything back in the right. day we only had ITSM service catalog and custom apps. And I did. Did we talk about that during that basketball game that we first met at? Or
1: You know, I think we did, because one of the things that we wanted to do, we as in me and my company, is once we tackled the rudimentary ITSM stuff, incident problem change, and it was more incident change and CMDB problems, kind of an afterthought. The second thing on our priority list was onboarding and offboarding. We had a paper-based, email-driven system that we really wanted to get automation behind. And so one of the you know, we bought orchestration to go with ServiceNow to facilitate that. So that was really high on our priority list.
0: And uh, since then, have you done any like,
1: yeah, I haven't, I haven't
0: done any like much in this space since
1: that time, like a decade ago, but what about you? Have you done any termination workflows? Yeah, because one of my bread and butter skill sets, right, is integration and automation, right. So a whole lot of combination of IT skill with ServiceNow IT, and IT experience with ServiceNow platform, right. That tends to lend itself to doing things like you know onboarding, offboarding workflows. So yeah, absolutely, I've done that for a number of clients right now, taking data from all kinds of HR systems at this point, stuff like Workday, UltraPro, some other things, right, and bring that that data into ServiceNow. And, you know, cr- and managing the entire employee life cycle from, hi, you just got hired, well, welcome to the team sort of emails mm-hmm. with click this link to order your stuff. And it'll be here waiting for you when you show up, this will be your cube location is on this floor, and all that kind of stuff, all the way to the termination part of that. Hi, yeah, we've we've determined that you're no longer with us.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> And, and uh, so these things need to happen, right? Let's close off all these accounts. Let's do we know where you have permissions? That sort of thing, right? Like kick off all the, terminate all the access, wipe devices automatically, that whole life cycle. So maybe we talk a little bit about what's at stake. Why
0: should this be a prioritized workflow if it hasn't been already in service now? And I'll just tell a horror story from my world. This was pre-service now, but we had a system where, where basically it was form-based workflow thing, right? But did someone would submit a request to terminate somebody? And the system was used exactly once because they were going to terminate a senior executive. (laughs) It's kind of like one of those, um, like a brand that buys brands. There's like an umbrella company. And then, so they're going to terminate a a C-level person from one of the child companies. And this person basically got notified as the requested buy for the ticket, (laughs) got notified of his own termination. Yeah. And basically kept it a secret, burnt all the bridges And then they had to, they had to accelerate it. But that basically meant like lawyers and senior executives flying to this guy's office and telling him not to do that. But like, that's what's at stake is that we have access to all kinds of privileged information. People can do a lot of damage from the inside, probably a lot more than from the outside because of that. So terminations matter and doing them gracefully matters.
1: Gracefully. That yeah. that one right there, right? So in the, in the place where I got my start with ServiceNow, the way that we handled those kind of like high, high value termination, of, high, terminating folks of high value or high importance to the company, right? The way that we did that was still very much a manual process, even after we built the automation for it. Like you just didn't put in a, a request to terminate like the chief marketing officer or the, you know, right. senior vice president of whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. What happened is, is that somebody got a call from somebody in HR, or sometimes it was an HR. Sometimes it was another person altogether. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it was a person to person. And then I would get a call from whoever that person got a call from and said, Hey, this person's last day is going to be this day and at this time. Yeah. And and so, and not one minute later, should their accounts be disabled.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like the cord cutting, not the cord cutting, but sever the cables. What's the expression? Yeah. It's like an electrician term to make sure that the system can't go wrong. You just cut the cables into it and then that's it. It's over.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. There's no power. Right. And, and and so that's exactly what we do. And then after like all of the human part of that was happening, assuming that somebody's having this discussion and things are being materialized and people are being walked out. Then I'd get the oh, go ahead, okay, go ahead and utilize the automatic process to offboard so that we have a record, yeah, and so that's that's kind of how we did the sensitive part of. It. I bet most businesses still at least a, a mix of them still probably do something similar, even if they have a kick butt um offboarding process. you just don't want to take the risk yeah that this person or somebody that has loyalty to this person will find out before that person does. For a number of reasons.
0: Yeah, that's kind of been on my wish list is there's a a tension between preparation and immediacy, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because you need to prep or traditionally you'd have to prep because you have all the systems that they had access to, building access cards and all that kind of stuff. How do you get your arms around all of it? What assets do they have? What licenses can we recoup from them? And we'd have to think about how to do that versus the immediacy of... We don't want people to know that Rockstar Dude is getting fired. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so we ripped the Band-Aid off at the last second. But then it's like, have you covered all your bases? So there's like a natural tension there. And I think that you can still have the the rip the Band-Aid off immediacy so long as you have done the homework of here's everything that would need to be covered by the Band-Aid in the first place.
1: Absolutely. Right. Like that prep time. There's a meme right out on the Internet about Batman. Right. And it's that Batman can beat any of your favorite heroes with enough prep time. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that. That's awesome, <laughs> like that,
1: like, like that is uh, aside from like billions of dollars, That's prep right. time is Batman's super, uh, super um, power. He does the homework. Right. Mm -hmm. And you give them enough time. Like, yeah, everybody's coming down. I mean, even Superman, even Superman. that's right. (laughs) And so in in this case, right, like you got to have the prep time. You got to do the homework so that you set up your system so that you actually know what you have and know who has access to what you have. So if you do that thoroughly and completely, then when you get to the point of executing like an offboarding, then that automation that you put into effect. As long as you account for all the stuff that you discovered during your homework phase, you get a lot more. It enables this to go a lot smoother. Batman should also have sweet nunchuck skills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bat chucks.
0: <laughs> Maybe a handy thing would be let's list some of the things that you would have to, I mean, your HR team could probably tell you right off the bat, but.
1: Nowadays, right, like it's hard, right? Like, cause, you know, I'm just going to call it out. Like shadow IT is a huge thing. I I remember mm-hmm. hearing about it. You know, way back when, when they first started coming up, early 2000s, right? So 2005, five, six, or whatever, right? Shadow IT was becoming a thing um, because software was becoming a lot more accessible to folks, right? Yeah. And then as the enterprise software boom kind of took off and then the software as a service boom took off. Now, all of a sudden, like everybody with a corporate credit card could buy their own apps. And how do you... As the HR department and as the IT department do a complete inventory on the things that you have and the things that are being utilized in your enterprise so that you can then know who to offboard and how to offboard. The last thing you want to do is offboard somebody and they still end up with access to the Slack channels because somebody's paying for that off of that corporate credit card and HR doesn't know they exist.
0: Yes. Two things. A, we had an episode where we talked a little bit about this, right? Yep. Uh, Was it the ID governance or...
1: I think like, it was the uh, ID governance one.
0: Yeah, it was It was one of the recent ones and I'll do the homework and I'll put the link in the description below. But we talked about this idea of system accounts, right? Yeah. Whereas we just have admin X, Y, Z. It's like, it, it doesn't, doesn't have a human name. It's just an account that exists and it's got certain rights and privileges across your org and Jeepers. Does the person we just terminated know the username and password to that? Right. And And can still access this thing after the fact?
1: Yeah, right. Because think about that. Like, because if they have a- access to that unnamed, unmonitored admin account, then they still have access to freaking everything in your enterprise. And they have not only that, but they have the access in a way that you can't even trace it back to them. That's yeah. a huge security risk. Number yeah. one, what that tells you is that you shouldn't have these accounts out there. Shout out to um, one of one of my security mentors, Mr. Wehrman. On this one, he-, he was always very much against service accounts and anonymous service accounts, especially right. Like mm-hmm. all this stuff had to be documented. Passwords had to be stored securely. Uh, only certain people ha- could get access to it. And he was a real stickler for this thing, this stuff. And, I, you know, it, it made my job harder. So I used to bitch at him about it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Good nature bitching, right? But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but, I mean, it makes a whole lot more sense when you are in charge, as he was, for the IT security of the entire enterprise. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, yeah. I mean, you got, you step number one, right? Don't do that. <laughs>
0: Do you think it's easier now than, like the last time I really slew this dragon was 10 years ago plus. Is it easier now because identity management systems and just identity management in general is just a lot more refined? Like I feel like a lot more stuff is tied into some kind of universal ID at your company, right? Where it's like all login access goes through this point. You don't handle logging in at the ServiceNow level. You handle it at the AD level so that we can just shut that off at one switch
1: yeah so a lot more single sign on right so mm-hmm. th- that definitely helps shut off a d you shut off access to all the federated systems right that use a d as a login mechanism so that definitely gets you probably about ninety to ninety five percent of the way there yeah.
0: but then you have all the quote unquote federated or the the shadow i t who is it like there's a major publication put out just this week like why i t department should go away was oh that-
1: i saw that headline i didn't i haven't read the
0: article yet oh i'm just gonna i'm i'm gonna find it Because I was talking to Matt Barron about it the other day. Check out the Matt Barron episode if you got time.
1: Yeah, shout out to Matt.
0: But I think this is one of the things that speaks against it, right? The decentralization of IT. Because if you can centralize stuff like identity management and SSO, like centralize that under one spot so that we can shut things on and off at once. Yeah. Who's the Wall Street Journal. It's time to get rid of the IT department. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Who's going to determine it? Like, like, how are we going to like kill access when we need to.
1: So I'm not going to call out the irony of a newspaper calling for another industry to go away. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sick burn, brother. (laughs) But I will, you know, call back to your point, right? Who are you going to call when you need everything shut off like immediately for, you know what I mean? And again, Mm. we're only going to get about 95% of the things here because some things still require a local login. And, you know, you're going to have to have that stuff documented too and process defined around that. But, you know, you need an IT department so that you can have these things, have the homework properly done and managed and maintained because it's not just doing it once because all of this stuff evolves over time. And if you're not constantly on top of it, constantly doing the homework, you're already behind. And And this is why I preach automation so much because I don't preach automation to eliminate jobs. I preach automation so that we can take people out of the phase of doing work that computers are good at mm-hmm. and put them in the phase of doing work that people are good at that enables machines to be better at the things that they're good at, right? <laughs> when you take a step back from there, I don't want my help desk person enabling and disabling accounts or or adding people to groups, right? Like I can write a script for that. What I want them doing is the intellectual creative work of tracking down all the systems that we have, making sure that those systems are maintained that, uh, that there's a proper inventory of them, that our processes, our automation processes are working, you know, doing the debugging around that, identifying future places where we can do things like that. So if you're doing this, if you're doing that homework and you're getting people out of doing the rote and routine work and into doing that creative work, then your termination process benefits greatly because you're catching all of those edge cases that you wouldn't catch otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do we got on the list here? We got obviously their base access. They're logging in, yep. all the system accounts that they might be associated with.
1: Yep, email, what else we got? email, email, oh, yeah. email, right? Oh like yeah,
0: and you know what? Okay, this, this is a great point because there's two different types of terminations. Well, there's probably more than that, but there's this idea of the rip the bandaid off termination, but then there's right. the graceful friendly ones, like a right. stage termination where it's like- It's like a oh, retirement. I'm- yeah. Retirement's a good example, but also like a friendly move. Like I'm an executive, but I'm going to join up at this other company. I'm leaving my responsibilities here, but you know what? Very important people are still going to be emailing me. Or maybe I'm some super sales rock star and I'm still like closing off deals while I'm You know what I mean? Yeah, in the transition
1: period, this is a very, right. it's like, it's a friendly, you have an agreement with the company, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, as I, as I make this transition, I'm going to help you close down and transition all of my duties internally. And so that means that I'm going to need to still stay in touch. And yeah,
0: yeah, so in your termination processes, one thing you should think about is, does this need to be shut off earlier, immediate, or later?
1: Oh, that's a good point.
0: And, and I think it holds for everything. I mean, what if you're some, it's hard for me to figure out jobs I've never done before. Right. But it strikes me that not only email, but access to other information. Right.
1: Yeah. But email is a really good one. Right. So if you're transitioning out and you're in leadership, do you still need to have access to all of our super secret leadership distribution lists? Probably not. Let's take you off of those. You know, you can still send emails to folks. You can still get into emails from people externally, but you don't need to know about the company's revenue projections anymore
0: hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, so that's probably that's an example of early, right? Like immediate. Let's take you off of all of that, all of those sensitive DLs immediately. And then I guess I'd say like a graceful kind of later example would be as you walk out the door, then we can turn your email off. But what about that middle? Right? Like you mentioned like early, intermediate, and then kind of later.
0: Early might be. Yeah, maybe I spoke to you soon on the early. Because early seems more like a, just an earlier immediate. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> like not not today, tomorrow.
0: <laughs> there is no difference between early and immediate. It's just okay. immediate, but then also staged. Like we're keeping access. Right. Oh, another good thing related to email is legal holds.
1: Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Like as you're structuring your termination process, and I guess if you if you take nothing else from this podcast, don't treat terminations as a strictly technology system access thing. Talk to your legal department, talk to your compliance department, talk to your asset managers, talk to physical site security, and see if there's other stuff you could do for them. Because one thing I learned at one of the places I worked at was like when some people go, the lawyers want to know exactly where that inbox is. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly for, for a few years you know
1: yeah yeah and there's a number of ways to do that but absolutely and you know i'll I'll strengthen what you said there do if you're not bringing all of those folks in on your offboarding process then your offboarding process is not complete because legal holds for documentation and such absolutely exist they have to exist to protect the company and if you're not you know from a technology perspective if you're not adhering to those things then i mean you haven't done a complete offboarding uh, process and and get on that right now
0: Yeah, it's one of the strengths of the platform and why I felt like the platform fundamentally changed my life. I mean, this is more on the onboarding side than the offboarding. But for once, we were treating this thing as as a business venture. Yeah, it wasn't just, oh, IT, now you have to do your thing. It was like, no, we provided an interface for the people who are doing the hiring to say, get this person in. And then we could involve all kinds of other departments. Sometimes, like, way back then, we'd send an email to physical site security, and that was fine for them. But other times, we're just, like, we're bringing in whole new people into this ticketing system paradigm, and they're like, what's this? There's, like, records and shit in here. (laughs) it's got all our work in it. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah. In some respects, these very important processes, once you start
1: thinking outside of just IT,
0: can introduce people to a whole new work paradigm.
1: Man, you know, I, I love that you said that because one of the things that I'm going to say, and it, it relates here, but it's I think it's better served widely applied, is that successful businesses partner with IT. Unsuccessful businesses dictate to IT. Mm, yeah. Right. And and in this situation, if the business and IT are partnering together, you're going to have a successful onboarding and offboarding workflows created, right? If that's the goal. But if IT is being dictated to by the business, then typically what happens is that you get what the business asks for and the business doesn't always know what to ask for. Yeah. So you know, I think from from there, dude, what we need to go into is like, how do you measure the success and the return on value that you're getting by having these successful workflows, right? The successful termination flow, right? Yeah. Like how what what do you need to put into effect in order to to see that value that you're gaining?
0: I think people have a very unnuanced view of it uh, of the value. It's more like. It's not a value proposition to them so much as it's a avert disaster, right? Yeah. If we don't rip the Band-Aid off, then they can do some shenanigans and hurt us in the termination process. And so as long as I don't get hurt, the termination process is worth it. But I think it's a great opportunity to strengthen the story that's told of, the, of other investments. Let's say you, you're decent at asset management. Wouldn't one of the value props of having a really good automated termination process mean that you're feeding your asset management system as well, right? Yeah. Oh, this person's come up. So we should be reclaiming this laptop and these licenses should no longer be required. Yep. All of those things should be modifying the data so that our asset managers get better decisions and not having to, I don't even know how they manage that today.
1: Well, I mean, ideally they use ServiceNow yeah. asset management <laughs> and there's a life cycle around it, right? Yeah. Like, so if you've got a device that's assigned to you and your you know, asset management system slash CMDB, when you start to offboard someone, there are these workflows that kick off to around those devices that are assigned to them. Mm-hmm. Things like, you know, notifying someone that this person is leaving so that equipment is going to become available. Assigning a ticket to make sure that it gets picked up and brought back to the depot. I mean in yeah. the, in these covid days is more like uh is more like shipping it back so maybe the you're um and if you're integrating with FedEx right to produce a label that automatically prompts an email out to the person so that they can then you know box up the laptop and send it back for free right yeah. something like that yeah you know and ultimately, at the end of all this, when you wrap it all up in the bow, and and the person is, you know, today is the day, and this is the minute, right? Wipe the wipe the mobile device, or at least the email portion of it, you know, before they walk out the door, and reclaim that too, if that's policy. Something, I mean, everyone. It seems like now nowadays, people put their corporate email on their personal devices, so. Hopefully you're just wiping their email and not their personal device, because I'd probably quit if you had a policy that you to like my personal device. Man, like we're, <laughs> gonna, we're gonna have a
0: dedicated episode on this, like mobility management, with this company yeah. I, I, I work with called SACON. And they talk about, hey, it's not even a case now where you go to a job and they're like, here's your work phone, right? It's right. more like, here's your personal phone that you use at work. Right. And so there is no, give me back your phone. <laughs>
1: Right. It's like, exactly. no, th-
0: this is my phone. And so there's all kinds of twists, but I'm not even talking about the apps and data on it. I'm talking about like the carrier. So the work says, oh, we're going to pay for your phone, but you use this carrier, right? So you switch your phone to a certain carrier and, oh, you're terminating. Like, what? Is your phone just going to shut off? No, you got to transition back to your own carrier.
1: Oh, I So there's like, there's,
0: yeah. yeah, I know, but this is just a whole offboarding process just for your phone, just for your phone.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense too, right? Because like you said, like you don't show up at a job now and, and they give you a work device, right? They you, you show up now and then they push the um they push their MDM to you, right? And that's how and all of a sudden work enabled. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean that that makes a lot of sense. We talked about asset value being reclaimed. I
0: got, I got a physical thing back or right. I have licenses that have been associated to me that I, that I, that I can now use and free up for other people. Right. Um, another thing though, I think is just trying to quantify the risk that you have reduced. It's one thing to just say the risk is less, but how much less?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a good point, right? If it costs you, you know, $1,500 to replace every laptop, that you don't get returned when someone off boards, Mm -hmm. then that that right there is the quantifiable risk of not having a termination workflow that works properly in terms of reclaiming assets.
0: Yeah. And if you're setting up a termination workflow, give some thought into like the stuff that you guys know you have, but you don't have control. Like what we were talking about earlier about the shadow IT system access. Yeah. And so for every term you have, generate some kind of record for the investigation of other stuff like manually investigate did this person have like a share driver a, a Dropbox or something with company data in it oh my god and then if you do that then you you're illuminating the areas you have less control over so that you can gain more control over them
1: Man, you see what is, I mean like I do like
0: your pants are around your ankles for a little bit because it exposes <laughs> it exposes where you're where you have no control but if you like you can't improve unless you know where you're at right?
1: Yeah, I mean let's be real, right? You know, now in this situation, in this time, right, that we find ourselves in, you cannot afford to not be actively searching out for these vulnerabilities and these exposures, right? Because these are active security risks even outside of the termination process. I mean, again, and this this goes back to why you should automate the small things, right? Mm-hmm. So that you have enough people power to find these larger things. And then it's about, you know, internal processes being Constructed in such a way as that anybody can raise the alarm and stop the assembly line, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's, that's a prime thing about Toyota, right? one of the things that back in the eighties or nineties, when they took over the car market from the American manufacturers, one of the things that the reason they have such better quality is that they empowered anyone on that assembly line to stop it mm-hmm. right, and say, we found a flaw, stop what we're doing. Somebody come look at this. If your processes internally are, don't encourage that behavior then what you're going to have is a lot of exposure. Because I can guarantee you, the boots on the ground know a lot more about what's going on in the company than the folks in the C-suite. Yeah, for certain. So when we think about it, right, we know what's at stake here, right? We talked about the things that could potentially go wrong if you do this thing incorrectly. We talked about how we can measure it and the purposes of measuring the the risk and, and the potential mitigation of that risk, right? We know that if you, know, you save money by returning assets and reclaiming licensing. And what happens if you, if you don't know those numbers, right? Because then you can't make an appropriate business case to express to your partner the business on why this is important. But then we have the technical considerations, right? And those things, you know, are many and vast. So we're not going to cover all of them. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think some of the things that are important here is automation for one. You can't expect all of this stuff to happen manually. If this process is manually where somebody's got to whisper in your ear and then you whisper into the next person's ear and these tasks kind of happen in serial like that, you know, you end up in a situation where something's gonna get dropped, right? Because at that point there's gonna be a lot of audibles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when, right? Well,
0: it, and and it 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 stands against the immediacy of the need, right? Right. When you, when you manually do it, it's just by its nature slower. Yes. And you're going to have to prime people, right? Like tomorrow, you're going to have to terminate Bob. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Get ready.
1: You know, <laughs> or what if I get sick tomorrow?
0: Maybe you're you're aware of the whole like rip the bandaid off. This is a disgraceful termination, right? Right. And so you tell like you have to have a mechanism to say like Bob, drop whatever you're doing right now.
1: Right. But done.
0: in a, in a task and not a phone call, right? Yeah. There's nothing more important than shutting per- this person's access down, like right now, this second. Exactly. That's just hard to do manually. I think in other words, this is a tiny technical consideration, and we mentioned it earlier in the call, but whatever the catalyst is, it starts this workflow. There's going to be some user reference. Yes. To who is it that's getting uh, that's getting termed. Make sure there's nothing, like, just be very careful about where that user reference lands. If you're storing it in a variable, that's great. Just make sure that you're never using it in any kind of notification or anything don't take for granted that that user reference gets placed in whatever table you're doing this in. Right. Yeah. Don't dare put it into the requested for Yeah. that that reference came in in like two or three versions ago.
1: Right. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm totally with you on that.
0: Yeah. You think you're doing the right thing. Like everybody has this idea. What is this request for? And if you just say it's for the termination of Bob and Bob's your user reference, then Bob's going to get the emails and then Bob's going to maybe burn some bridges down. Or not yeah. burn the bridges down and just make sure he's got a backdoor access somewhere and sell all your information to your enemies.
1: Which is worst case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. you want, like you much rather him burn the bridges than, than maintain That's a, a right. backdoor. Because then you know what you can fix. Yeah. But the backdoor is just the Trojan horse. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: a small thing, but it's so pivotal.
1: No, totally. Dude. It's a lot. It's one of the major reasons, but why nowadays folks in IT get walked out the same day. Even when it's a you know a graceful hey we're all happy for you we love you kind of termination, typically you still get walked out the same day because we never yeah. know, <laughs> and you just got to protect you got to protect that risk, right?
0: Yeah, I think another technical consideration is what are you going to use to manage a term workflow? Because when I was coming up, it was oh order guides that'll work, you know what I mean? Yeah, and order guides and traditional legacy workflow engine is yeah. all I had. And it was so much better than everything else we had before: sticky notes and email,
1: yeah.
0: um, and shoulder taps. But now that the tool is ten years older, like how would we do it? And I am still really fascinated by the the idea of playbooks and the process automation. Oh, yeah! For this, for different streams, I, like I really that think that's a good place to look. But it it bears mentioning: don't just assume it's going to be like. It's probably not gonna be one flow designer flow. It's probably gonna be multiple of them. And then you need some engine to orchestrate that.
1: Yeah, and some parent record, right? Where it correlates all of those various yep. flows together. So you can at a glance see if they if they uh, failed or succeeded, mm-hmm. right, because you're always gonna have to have, there's always a manual backup, right? And you, know, you go through the process and say there's 30 flows that need to be generated in order to successfully transition off someone, right? Yep. And, you know, you need to be able to go in and checkbox all 30 of those things at a glance to know that you're that you're good. And, and so you can't have those things spread out over 30 different records, right? Like it's got to be a parent umbrella record there, too. Yeah, sure. and, and I agree with you. In the past, we did do this a lot of the stuff in order, guys, and, and legacy workflow. And shout out to legacy workflow. It's still one of my favorite parts of the of the ServiceNow engine. I know Integration Hub is pretty cool, and I've I've warmed up to it a bit over the last six months or so when, as I've been kind of using it, um, a little bit more in some personal projects, but legacy workflow, man, it, it just, I mean, you could do whatever you want to do in that thing. So, I mean, if you, if you're a coder legacy workflow still, wears that, but, uh, I, you know, yeah, integration I'm, hub gives you so much like out of the boxness of things yeah. to just plug and play. Like it makes it really valuable too. I'm fully
0: over onto the flow designer side.
1: Oh yeah. I think,
0: yeah, yeah, I think so we've slain some serious dragons with legacy workflow. I'm not like denigrating legacy workflow, but I think ServiceNow has done a really good job of making Flow Designer the go-to. I think it's just easier to do a ton of stuff that would have been harder. Uh, like, what, what do you think? Like the, the stuff that's easier in workflow is of such a better scale than the stuff that is better in legacy. Like, I, oh, I can't do turnstile. Yeah, I can't really do that in Flow Designer. I don't know how yet. But then I'm like, oh, I used that once in 10 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? But data transformation, the way that Flow Designer can do data transformation plus the integration hub, like, oh, let's just yeah. let's just drop the the activity to integrate me into Slack in there. I don't even know where I'd start with that crap on legacy workflow.
1: So the integration hub really is what supercharges Flow um, Designer. The integration hub, I mean, let's be real, right? This is enterprise if, if then, then that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't know how, how many you I mean, most of you guys should be familiar with it. And if you're not go look it up. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's really, you know, ServiceNow is doing all the all the um, heavy lifting. They've identified services and this kind of goes back to shadow IT in a way. Uh, right. Because as you start to discover those shadow IT things, you're going to want to bring them into the fold if they have widespread adoption already in your enterprise. Right. And uh, an integration hub is a great way of doing that. If you're already using Slack and pockets of your enterprise, um, Of your um of your business, and you want to go ahead and and promote that to like first party status. How do you then integrate that with ServiceNow? Well, Integration Hub will do it for you, right? Mm -hmm. There's a spoke for that. I should get a T-shirt with that. Yo, shout out to ServiceNow. Can I get a? There's a spoke for that T-shirt. What's up? But but seriously, right? Like, look, you can pull it off the box, Jira. Um, you can pull it off the shelf, Jira. Right? Everyone, mm-hmm. no, look, no, no developer likes to um, work in Service Now, and it's not because they hate Service Now. It's just because they love Jira so much, right? But there's a spoke for that. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, absolutely, dude. The Integration Hub supercharges Flow Designer in such a way that it does almost obsolete the legacy workflow designer, especially if you don't have extensive integration um, experience like somebody like me.
0: All right. Let's bring it back to the topic, but we are out of time. (laughs) This has been the termination episode. Hey, listen, have you been listening to this and you have other technical considerations that should be uh, or process considerations wherever you're listening to this, please be sure to drop a comment below and we'll all educate each other. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedorik and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.